Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Congratulations, true crime addicts. We did it. We survived another week. Seemed pretty close there, didn't it? Just for a second. But we did it. It's Friday, January 14th, 2022. And these are the top true crime stories in the entire world. I bring you news from all over the globe. I sift through it all. And I bring you the the tasty nuggets, the tasty morsels. And from everywhere. Don't believe it? Here's the top story. It's a France case. You guys into French mysteries? Wee oui, wee, oui, right? Uh, this involves a camping trip gone wrong. I've had my eye on this case for a while because of its strange circumstances. Back in 2012, Saad Al-Hili, 50 years old, took his family camping in the French Alps in his BMW. Police found the BMW forced off the side of the road near Chevaline. Saad, his wife Iqbal, her mother Suhaila Al-Alaf, were all shot to death. Their two daughters, ages four and seven, were still alive. The oldest had been shot once in the shoulder and beaten with a gun. She was left alive. Nearby was another dead body, unrelated to this family, who had been murdered. This was cyclist Sylvain Mollier. 45-year-old man, professional cyclist, uh, who police suspect just was riding by the scene of the accident when the murder was taking place, and the murderer had to get rid of another witness. Um, and to add another weird twist, as if this wasn't strange enough, Igpal Al-Hali's first husband was an American dentist, and he died that same day of a heart attack in America. They looked for a possible link. Did it have something to do with what happened in France? They haven't been able to find any specific link, and, and suppose it's just a, a terrible coincidence. For years, there's been rumors that uh, 
You know, maybe we were dealing with some sort of spy fallout or a hit gone wrong. At one point, Al Hilly's brother was briefly detained. Well, there was some issue with his inheritance and uh, might have affected his relationship with his brother, but that didn't quite fit either. And now, according to the Daily Beast, at 8 a.m. Wednesday this week, French police arrested a former police officer from the area because of French law. That police officer is not being named at this time. They have different laws over there that keeps suspects' names away from the press until, I believe, they're, they formally go to trial or, or maybe even found guilty. Maybe a better way of doing things. But... Now, I'm beginning to suspect that this might have a simple explanation. Maybe it's road rage. Maybe maybe this whole time it was just a road rage incident gone terribly wrong. Not to speak ill of the dead, but they were found in a BMW. I've never met a BMW driver that understands a turn signal or right-of-way. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny because it's true, you know? Um, is it possible that this was a road rage incident? And this this single guy just lost his temper and shot Saad, his wife, and his, his mother-in-law, leaving the two girls dead, and then the cyclist because of witness. I mean, that would make an excellent new episode of Fargo. You know, that, that odd case that the detectives can't quite piece together because it's too weird. Until the very end when Carrie Coon saves the day. Uh, this uh, police officer was questioned back in 2015, so he's kind of been on the suspect list for a while. Not sure what evidence led to his arrest this week, but um, this will be a big uh, a big case this year. Also in the news, Prince Andrew, the Grand Old Duke of York, he's likely to be uh, deposed soon in New York after a judge ruled that Virginia Jufrey can go forward with her sex assault lawsuit against the prince. Uh, Jufrey alleges that she was trafficked by Jeffrey Epstein when she was just 17 years old, forced to have sex with his friends, including Prince Andrew. Of course, you've seen the picture online. Where they're standing outside a kitchen, I think. And Prince Andrew has his, his arm around this uh, teenage girl. Looks really creepy. Um, and Ghislaine Maxwell is in the back room there, or in the background. I'm not sure why he allowed that picture to be taken, by the way. Like, what, what use is that? Um, it's weird. And there's been some suggestion that that's what Jeffrey Epstein was up to all these years, is, is blackmail. That's why you take pictures of these things. So he can use it for blackmail later to fund his further projects. It's been suggested that maybe he was working for an intelligence agency from a foreign government. Um, was it Mossad that killed him inside the the jail in New York so he wouldn't talk? I don't think we'll ever really know. Ghislaine Maxwell might have some answers. Maybe she'll start talking now that she's been found guilty. Jufre's lawyer says he may call other royal family to testify, so watch for this case to blow up this year. He wants to call Meghan Markle, Prince Charles, and Andrew's ex, Sarah Ferguson. Sarah Ferguson, if you don't know. It's like the 80s Kim Kardashian. Um, and he was married to her for a time. She's actually 
<laughs> she's actually much better than that. She's uh, she's she's very smart. Um, just announced that uh, like literally uh, like ten minutes ago, the Queen came out and released a statement that uh, Prince Andrew can no longer use his title. You can't call him His Royal Highness anymore. He's just Andrew, or uh, you can go with Andrew Mellencamp maybe on a good day. The last story this week is a UK case. See, we're all over the globe today. Uh, this involves um, a new epidemic in the UK, in and around London, uh, England. The Guardian is reporting that police have seen an exponential rise in spiked drinks in UK pubs. They are calling this an epidemic at the, at the, the moment. They're advising people, and this happens to men as as well as women, mostly women, but uh, there's a good number of men that have reported this as well in recent weeks. Uh, and they're saying that people are going around putting roofies in drinks. There might be some new drug that's that's happening. Uh, one complained of, of uh, being stabbed with or, or jabbed with a, uh, a needle, but it's at uh, epidemic levels over there, apparently. So watch out. Uh, it's very scary stuff especially if you're a young person out and about in the world for the first time, out and about in London for the first time. Uh, my wife, Julie, in college, I went to Kent State, but I remember being at a bar one night and uh, somebody spiked a drink of hers. And she only had one drink. About 20 minutes later, she came up and she looked like she had, you know, she had she had drank a, a liter of um, of Jack Daniels or something. I've never seen her like that. I'd seen her in a group of, there was a group of young men around where they were, where she was with her friends and they were drinking. Uh, definitely spiked with something. Took us a couple hours to really figure out what was going on. She ended up in the hospital that night. Everything was fine, but uh, it happens. Uh, 51-year-old Hannah Stratton and two of her daughters fell ill after drinking at a quiet bar in Newquay uh, over there in the UK. And uh, that kind of was the report that's that kind of got the ball rolling on all this sparked it because uh hannah <clears throat> hannah blogged about it when she got back home and then she was contacted by over a hundred other people who had suffered the same fate recently who had also had their drinks spiked police estimate that only eight percent of the people who have experienced this actually reported to police so uh be careful out there check your drinks don't don't leave them with anybody Carry them around. Try to keep them in a in a nice get them in a nice sealed bottle if you can. Um, but yeah, that's very frightening. Hey, we'll be right back with some. There's all sorts of cold case updates this week, people. Um, I'm saving the best for last. So um, come back after the break. I'll be back in two and two. And welcome back to Hickory Hideout, starring Catherine Hahn. Uh, just kidding. It's still uh, true crime this week. I'm James Renner. Hey, um, lots of cold case updates to get to. At the top of the list, Andrew Gosden, very famous case out of uh, the UK, out of England. Uh, this happened September 14, 2007. You've seen his picture. 14-year-old Andrew Gosden skipped school, took a train to London, and then vanished. Every parent's worst nightmare. He bought a one-way ticket that day. Uh, before he got on the train, he took out about 200 pounds from his uh, 
bank account and was last seen exiting at King's Cross Station in London. Disappeared, never to be seen again. Um, he is a kid from Doncaster. And, uh, you know, exactly the same age as my son, Casey, and it looks kind of like him too, uh, it, which just... You know, it's just my way of saying, you know, when you're when you're a parent and you see things like this happen, it takes on a whole, a whole new, uh, a whole new feeling, whole new, whole new angle to realize such a thing is is possible. Um, the question over these years has been, what what in the world happened? In, in in some ways, it's even reminiscent of the Maura Murray case, right? Because you know, it's that double mystery: what happened to Andrew, but also. What was he going to London for in the first place? And if you can answer one of those questions, you could get closer to the answer of the second. And we still don't know why he was heading to London in the first place. Uh, there were rumors of maybe he was trying to see a concert, skipping school just to check out a concert or hang out with friends. Other people wondered if maybe he was being groomed and was meeting somebody that he had been talking to over the Internet. Unfortunately, that seems more likely after this week, because on December 8th, and we just learned about this this week, even though the, this happened December 8th, um, uh, London police arrested two men. Again, they're not naming them at this time, but two men have been arrested, one 38 years old and another 45-year-old man. They were arrested on suspicion of kidnapping and human trafficking related to Andrew's case. Does not sound good. One of the men had indecent pictures of, of children on his computer. The men have since been released. So we're going to hear more about that case very soon. Also in the news, Robert Durst, for the last time, is in the news. Robert Durst is dead. Died Monday. Robert Durst was the subject of the documentary The Jinx, which is one of those first true crime events that kicked off the true crime renaissance, I guess if you'd call it that, that we're in right now. And he called the, the name of the show, The Jinx, comes from uh, the word that he used for himself. He, when he asked why he didn't have kids, because he thought of himself as a jinx and he didn't want to have kids, the implication that he might pass on some sort of bad gene. Durst was the son of a real estate mogul. So this, would, this is kind of like that show Succession, right? Except like if that... If Macaulay Culkin's younger brother uh, started to kill people. First of all, Durst's wife, Kathy McCormick, disappeared in 1982. Durst, when interviewed by police, said he dropped her off at a train station where she was headed into the city. She was going to med school at the time, according to CNN. Her body was never found. Police always suspected Durst. And then in 2000, Durst's good friend Susie Berman was murdered. She was due to meet with detectives shortly thereafter to speak about the McCormick case. They suspected that she knew that Durst killed her. Maybe he confessed to her. And then Durst had to get rid of her. Uh, Durst later admitted to police that he wrote a note that led them to her body. Durst ran from that crime scene, by the way, was gone for quite a while where he was living when he was living in Galveston, Texas, inside a shabby apartment, disguised as a woman. Um, kind of the 
dark version of Bosom Buddies, trying to stay under the radar dressed as a woman. There he befriended his neighbor, Morris Black, and then Black wound up dead. Durst successfully argued that uh, he killed Black in self-defense. He was acquitted for that crime. Then the documentary came out. Remember that scene where, you know, they're asking him about his wife and about Susie Berman. And he's like, hey, guys, i got to take a leak. And he goes in the bathroom, and he still has a hot mic. And inside there, he's talking to himself, and he says, what did I do? Well, I killed them all, of course. It was a great finale. Durst was conv- convicted of killing Berman after the uh, documentary aired. And he was in prison awaiting the trial of Kathy McCormick. They were going to go after him for that, too. He was 78 years old, and uh, for a while he'd been sitting in the prison hospital. He had contracted COVID in October, and he had bladder cancer. So all those things combined finally took Durst down. And uh, there you go. Uh, these, these what, what's, the, what's the quote? These violent delights have violent ends. Not that he died too violently, I guess. The the cancer got him. Last update. Uh, This is Gabby Petito, the case that won't die. Eric Pratt is the name of the police officer from Moab, Utah, who stopped Gabby and her boyfriend, Brian Laundrie, prior to the murder, uh, after somebody witnessed a domestic dispute. Uh, Pratt separated them at the time, basically gave them a timeout, found different places for them to stay that night, just, you know, chill out and then move on. And then eventually Brian Laundrie kills Gabby Petito. And now, you know, poor Pratt, you know, they do an investigation. Uh, This is what came out this week is the police uh, department and the county did its own internal investigation. And they've determined that Pratt, you know, this is a coulda, shoulda, woulda, but they're saying that Pratt should have arrested Gabby Petito that day that she had basically confessed to hitting Brian and hitting him first before he went after her and that was enough that that she should have been arrested for domestic battery Um, Pratt says he's desperately fucked over that she got killed devastated about it Um, so you feel I, I feel for the guy I mean how would he know at least he did something um so yeah, that's the update in the Gabby Petito case. Over to genetic genealogy. This is a great week for genetic ge- Every week, it gets better. Every week, there's a better solve. Um, this week, you know, I'm so happy that I get to know the power players in this new field of genetic genealogy through my work with uh, the Porchlight Project. Uh, because this week, um, we've got a case that was solved by Identifinders International, which is headed by my friend Colleen Fitzpatrick. And it was funded by Ashley Flowers, a you know, crime junkie, and and uh, her her business audio chuck. Ashley Flowers, by the way, full disclosure, um, has donated a significant amount of money to the Porchlight Project to help us solve cold case murders here in Ohio. And uh, we were able to set up an endowment because of her donations. So thank you very much. Um, but they got another solve, and this is such a bizarre case. Uh, this uh, involves a young couple from Florida, uh, 21-year-old Harold Dean Klaus, 17-year-old Tina Gail Lynn Klaus. They had uh, just gotten married. He, you know, this was back in 1980 when, 
you know, that wasn't so uncommon, a 21-year-old marrying a 17-year-old and uh, eloping. They had a one-year-old daughter named Holly Marie Klaus. And in 1980, they left Florida and their families, all this time, their families had thought that they ran off to join a cult. Well, in 1981, the bodies of a young couple were, were found in Texas, outside of Houston, I believe. And those remains had been unidentified until just now, where Identifinders International, uh, their genetic genealogist, tracked this down to the missing Harold and Tina Klaus. Um, these were, in fact, their body. Uh, you know, here's the question, though, right? Where the hell is Holly? Where's their daughter? Daughter's body wasn't found. Is she still out there alive? Did they actually join a cult? Did the cult kill them and take the daughter? Who's Who has the daughter? Where did the daughter go? Holly would turn 42 next month. If she's out there, if she's listening, if you have, if, you know, if you're a Holly and uh, you don't quite have, uh, you know, uh, a, a, your birth certificate looks a little weird or something, call authorities. You have a suspicion, call authorities. Um, hopefully she's out there alive and well. So the genetic genealogists are now putting family members of the Klauses in uh, their DNA into databanks so that in the future, if Holly has hers tested, it'll kick up and then Holly can be reunited with her true family. What an interesting case. Top of the charts. Let's check it out on chartable.com. We've got our normal contenders. We've got Ashley Flowers and Crime Junkie still there. My Favorite Murder. Hi, Georgia. Uh, and then a new number six, the podcast called This Is Actually Happening. I haven't listened to this one yet, but it sounds intriguing. Here's the write-up. What if your mother left to follow a cult? Or you woke up in a morgue? Or if your boat got caught in a storm and began to sink, what would you do? This Is Actually Happening brings you extraordinary, true stories of life-changing events told by the people who live them. From a man who finds out a celebrity crush isn't who she seems, to a woman stranded in a Mexican desert fighting to survive. These stories will have you on the edge of your seat, waiting to hear what happens next. So I guess that's a true crime tangential. Yeah, there's going to be some true crime in there, but not all of these. Uh, but yeah, sounds good. Check it out. Uh, in the meantime, remember to please review and subscribe to this podcast you know, those reviews help a lot. The audience is building. Thank you very much. Last week's episode was the most listened to so far. Hopefully this one will su surpass it. But thanks for all the support and help. Uh, you can find my books at jamesrenner.com. I've got a new shop where you can get autographed books too. And as always, you can talk to me on uh, the Repod app, where we discuss the weekly podcast and other things of of interest in the true crime world. And uh, that's it for this week. It is Friday. So remember, in the words of the incomparable Murray Saul, we gotta, 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 get down, damn it. True Crime This Week is a fearful symmetry production. Our theme music is Trash Town Boogie 
by Mr. Smith, used under a Creative Commons license for use in this show. All sources are listed in the liner notes at the end of this episode. If you like The Cut of My Jib, please check out my other podcast, Philosophy of Crime. Unless quoted directly from a source, all content should be considered the opinion of the host. That's me, James Renner. See you next week.